Hello and welcome once again to another edition of the Brattlecast. We talk about books, old, rare, and out of print, and a whole lot more. All of the goings-on at the Brattle Bookshop in Boston on West Street. A certain stop on your tour to the city and a great place for regulars. And the regulars have come back in droves, which is great. Ken Gloss is here, the proprietor, along with me, Jordan Rich. And what are you holding in your hands, my friend? It's a big tome. It's a heavy, it's a journal. Yeah. It's from 1929, and it's uh, <laughs> it's something that you wouldn't necessarily think that, gee, this is really interesting. It's called The American Cemetery. It's literally a journal published um, in the monthly in the interest of cemeteries. Now, when you say journal, it's hard bound, but, but it, it's got articles and ads and so forth. It came out monthly as a monthly, magazine. Almost and, like a magazine. Well, no, it, it, was, it was a magazine, and then oh, libraries would take I it. I see. The whole collection, and they would bind it. Then I they see. would bind it together. And, and, I see. But first of all, you sort of say to yourself, uh, when I got it, that's a pretty dull subject. I mean, you know. Yeah, uh, dead. <laughs> it, 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 very dead. Very dead. But, but sometimes, too, and this is sort of where I was getting, when you buy books or you buy things, sometimes the book itself isn't that interesting, although in this case I'll point out that I think it was. But sometimes there's a, a piece of paper in it. There's a valentine. There's a a letter. There's something in the book that is actually fascinating. And this, you know— I don't know why it caught my interest so much, but it's called American Cemetery. It's obviously a survey put out by this company. There was probably, my guess, there must have been a convention of cemetery people who were running cemeteries. And uh, they said questionnaire delivered to uh, find, obtain relevant, reliable information in connection with perpetual care. Mm. Well, you know, the, it, the would res- be, it would be perpetual care for you if you're a <laughs> client. Exactly. Customer. But, you know, the, but they like question number one, does it apply to the entire cemetery? Does it apply to certain sections only? Does it apply to certain lots only? <laughs> Please enlarge on questions. And if they apply to you, question two, do you simply uh, cut the uh, native grass and weeds do you plant all under the perpetual care as a lawn and keep it that way? Does it include the cost of growing the flowers and other beautiful beautification? Have you a perpetual care fund? And on and on. And then other questions are, do you pay for this or do the people pay for this? And I just found it fascinating that I never thought of a of cemetery I guess, as a business. Oh, it, it certainly is. But I, I'm, I'm curious, that piece of paper, it's in very good condition from back in that time. What is it, a, a mimeograph? I think it's a mimeograph, and whoever had it kept it in the front cover of this magazine. Uh, there were also, so, you know, when I saw that, I'm going, I just never thought about cemeteries in that way. I mean, I know that when you pay for the plot, that you pay for the stone, but all the intricacies of do you keep the stone up and the plot up? Do you? Uh, there are articles about what happens if a cemetery I, needs needs yeah. to be moved. Wow! Uh, if you're Catholic and it needs to be moved, if you're Jewish and it needs to be moved, uh, 
And then the time the Supreme Court just ruled on this cemetery issue. And I just found it fascinating. And then you look at the ads. Oh, here's one for beauty, utility, durability, and cost. Taylor Natural Stone Crypts. Yeah. Well, you know. And, and then on the cover here, it shows one that someone must have been quite wealthy to have that crypt. James Whitcomb Riley Memorial, Indianapolis, Indiana. Looks like a, a Parthenon. Exactly. But wow. It, what I'm sort of saying with this and what caught my eye in it, and then there's all the landscaping in a yeah. cemetery. Matter of fact, a lot of cemeteries have their own greenhouses. They have their hothouses in back. They have their naturalist. Uh, you also have to worry about squirrels. Uh, you know, coyotes, uh, you know, wildlife mm. getting in. Uh, and I imagine if there's a lot of wildlife, if you got geese, you'd have to clean up the paths quite often. And all of this, I just never thought of, about the details of this or that or whatever. Frigid casket lowering devices. By the way, still in operation to this day. Yeah. Um, but this would be for those in, in the industry, <clears throat> obviously. And you know what this reminds me of? The fact, and you and I have talked about periodicals. Back in the day, in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, there was a periodical for every trade, right? Oh, so, ab- absolutely. Well, one of the things that I found very interesting with this is we we got it in uh, recently from a cemetery, but uh, I was looking and I said, well, who's going to want to buy this? I, I mean, you know, to be quite honest, the, the merchant part of it. And I, I I said, I wonder, are there any courses in cemetery? Oh, it turns sure. out there are four or five colleges who have a full degree p- program in Cemetery, Right. Uh, to become a – first of all, to become a mortician or a funeral director. Uh, and there's a lot of medical parts to it. Right. Yeah. But there's huge amounts of real estate, property value, legal. You know, again, think about it. If you're running a cemetery and somebody's not happy with the way you're taking care of their relatives, you could get into some really nasty – Legal issues. No, it's it's a very uh, regulated industry. Huge. And, as and it then be. then look into you know all of the uh, Native Americans, and you want to build a shopping center, and there's a cemetery plots, and not if it, you want poltergeists. No, it, well, exactly, but it's not as straightforward and simple. And there are whole four year degree programs on this, but a lot of this started just not so much that I was looking at the magazine itself. This piece of paper came out. I read a survey and I go, I don't know why I didn't, but I never thought of it in that way. Um, In Boston, I like walking around the Mount Auburn Cemetery. It's absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely. They call the uh, the – those who are interred, the permanent residents. Yes. And the Forest Hills Cemetery is absolutely gorgeous. But it – I just never looked at And it just reminded me that so many times when I go out to houses, estates, buy libraries, collections, sometimes you find a valentine in the book. And and you go and you read it and you go, boy, these people aren't going to go anywhere. Or you say, boy, they seem madly in love and what a what a nice sentiment they wrote. Or there's a letter stuck in that has very little to do with the book and you pull it out and or there's an invitation to a presidential inaugural 
So sometimes it's those little bits of paper that get you interested, that get you looking, wondering if the book has anything to do with it or the people who own the book. And that can be just as much fun. I've been looking for classy, funny ads just because I do that. Yeah. There's only one I found so far, and it's for Jacobson Mowers, Lawnmowers, Berry Cemetery Upkeep Costs. <laughs> <laughs> of course. you got to have a little fun. <laughs> but this is fascinating, absolutely, and particularly because of the era, you know. It's it, really it, amazing. And if you were walking through a library, sort of browsing through a library, would you stop and pull out a cemetery oh journal? Oh, my God, of course I would. I mean, the funny thing is, too, in terms of the ads, there are some that are not related directly to funerals. You, you probably saw them, steamship uh, trips to the North Country, uh, hotels in various cities and so forth. Right. Because people do travel when they have to go to a funeral or these guys have conventions. <laughs> exactly. Or, or the other thing that if you think about, uh, and I've seen this in some of the other journals, is – if one of your clients is on a steamship and dies, oh, it can wow. be, you know, overseas, out of the country. In 29, I don't think you'd probably be getting the first plane out, but how do you, I, I saw an article on how to preserve the body. Mm. Uh, how do you contact someone in that country? How do you legally bring it back? How do you? So so this came from a cemetery locally, is that this right? This came from a cemetery. Wow. Interesting. And, and what we're hoping is that we find a university uh, that doesn't have it, that just from a historical point of view, that it will be of great interest to the professors and the students Certainly there. Certainly a school that does specialize yeah. in this kind of thing. Yeah, and, wow. and, but when I got them, I never thought I'd find them interesting. And, it, and one of the hard parts when I'm doing our business and some of my staff is – you can't look at everything. The idea is to buy and sell things. And, and one of the things <laughs> when we hire people, we tell them, this job isn't about reading. This job is about carrying and moving I, I and selling. I don't think I could work for you because I would be – a cup of coffee would go cold. I'd be reading everything that comes in because it is, it is fascinating. It's ephemera. It's everything in between. And in this case, what I love about the stuff you bring in, particularly the periodicals, it's living history. It's alive because people were living then. They're all gone now. The people in that book themselves are all in cemetery somewhere. Yeah. But uh, they come alive when you open up the book. I mean, there might be one or two people who, when they were in elementary or high school, were working in a cemetery of the grounds. Yeah, a, a baby, few of them. A baby gravedigger or two might be well, still around. But a few of them might still be around and remember that. But, yeah, it's, it's a long time. time so ago. many great stories and so much to see and do at the Brattle Bookshop. And, of course, this podcast, the Brattlecast, comes to you thanks to this man, Ken Gloss. And you love hearing from people. Oh, I, I love hearing from people because sometimes they ask questions that I'm not thinking about. And I'll go, great, I don't have to think up a question. <laughs> and second of all, that's a lot of fun. And, yeah. uh Jordan, also having you sort of prompt me on is also a lot of fun. I do a lot of work for a variety of people with a variety of people. And I must say this is one of the most fun adventures for me every time we get together. It's just – it's I don't know what you're going to – by the way, folks, we don't plan out anything. He comes in. We just wing it. We just go for it. What's the subject? Let's go. Well, well <laughs> let's put it this way. On the table, we're not going to do it today, but I have a 1980s Olympics game in Moscow – cookbook and schedule of events the, the participants from the United States they made up a cookbook 
we'll talk about that in another one. These, that's called a tease in the broadcast <laughs> podcast world. Ken, thank you, my friend. And uh, as we record this, it's holiday time in 2022. Have a wonderful, wonderful end of season yourself. Thank you, and you too.